I am Giuseppe Gagliardi, co-editor-in-chief of uh, Techniques in Coloproctology uh, from the International Conference of Anal Fistula meeting in Rome. And uh, I'm here sitting with uh, uh, Mr. Phil Tozer from uh, St. Mark's Hospital. Uh, Phil, uh, welcome very much to this uh, podcast. Thanks very much, uh, Giuseppe. And uh, uh, I heard your uh, talk yesterday, your lecture on uh, uh, the future of the fistula treatment, and uh, uh, there was uh, one thing that uh, struck me is that you were proposing uh, not to even look for the internal opening when you drain an abscess, and uh, even if you do find an internal opening, uh, not to put the seton in. Um, I know most of us would agree not to do a fistulotomy at that point because you're uh, in, a, in the middle of inflammation. Uh, but uh, uh, I think this is the first time I heard uh, that uh, putting a seton inside would be deleterious. Can you can you tell us uh, a little bit uh, about it? Sure. It's it's all based on the immediate fistula treatment literature. You'll know that there have been half a dozen randomized controlled trials. Uh, looking at patients who have their abscesses drained versus those who have their abscesses drained and then any resulting fistula treated either with fistulotomy if it's low as you say or with a seat on inserted and these randomized controlled trials have been reviewed in two systematic reviews one of them a Cochrane review and the the wisdom from those was that the right thing to do is treat the fistula because recurrence is then reduced and the risks to continence and so on are minimal in fact, looking at the data, I think, tells us a very different story. Two of those studies only randomised patients who had internal openings. So these are the patients uh, where the advice that you've just been describing would be to place a seat on. But in the drainage-only arms of those two studies, only up to about one in three patients returned with a fistula. And that means that all the other patients, the two-thirds or more of patients who wouldn't have returned to see anybody with a fistula will have had one essentially created or at least been made to persist by the placement of the seat on and so those patients those two-thirds have been disadvantaged by being exposed to the risks of fistula treatment in the future and it's those patients that I think we should protect by avoiding treatment of a fistula even even when that's only placing a seat on in a primary anorectal abscess. I think it's different in Crohn's disease or with recurrent abscesses where the fistula is essentially established and isn't going away. But first time round, I don't think there's a good reason to intervene. Uh, this is uh, very interesting and uh, I am going to now ask you about uh, the overall, overall uh, uh, fistula treatment algorithm and uh, you mentioned that you need to address uh, uh, several factors when uh, you're looking at fistula treatments. You mentioned five of them, and uh, can you uh, tell our uh, listeners uh, what these uh, five factors are? So, so this is based on some work that we recently uh, published in APT with regards to Crohn's fistulas, but actually I think it applies to the kind of uh, chronic recurrent difficult cryptoglandular fistulas Two, um, why is it that the sphincter-preserving procedures that we perform don't work in, in all patients, only seem to work part of the time? I think the answer is that the pathophysiology here is multifactorial and that these techniques tend to deal with only one or perhaps two of those, treat of those, uh, of those factors. 
So if we think about epithelialization as a cause of fistula persistence, about the primacy and importance of that uh, area around the internal opening and the intersphincteric space, and also about three factors which lead to a, a very hostile environment in the perineum, which is always acting against us when we're trying to obtain fistula healing. And those are um, an immunopathology, uh, microbiological abnormality and and also a failure of wound repair and I think the right way to think about these is a, a tip of the balance away from wound repair and and tissue healing and towards unregulated uh, ongoing inflammatory drive which will always prevent tissues from healing so what we must do with our sphincter preserving treatments is to try to combat all of these now if we do a lift procedure we we deal with the the disconnection from the tract we deal with that intersphincteric space really effectively but we don't do anything about the hostile environment and perhaps that's why in Crohn's disease it's less efficacious probably than we see in cryptoglandular disease um, we do try to deal with the epithelialization by scraping the tract out or some people excise the external component but particularly in the uh, internal opening we don't necessarily do that effectively by contrast something like laser fistula treatment will ablate the inside of the tract it will destroy any epithelialization and it, it may have an impact on immunopathology I don't think anyone really knows that but it's possible that it that it allows that clock to reset in terms of the uh, immunopathology and and uh, uh, microbiological factors within the fistula tract stem cells or medical treatment of Crohn's disease you know they only combat that hostile environment they don't have any real impact on the other aspects of it but if we combine stem cells with closure of the internal opening or we combine medical treatment with closure of the internal opening or perhaps with another treatment like lift which disconnects the tract from the gut we're attacking more of these pathophysiological elements and we will probably find as we go forward and study this in depth that the more aspects of the pathophysiology that we uh, are dealing with and ameliorating the more effective our treatments will be. Thank you very much for summarizing it for us and uh, I now uh, want to go through the many different especially the newer treatments uh, that uh, we have been discussing at this meeting and see what is your opinion if you're using them at some marks or uh, and, uh, um, or what do you think is their role and uh, uh, let's uh, start with uh, uh, fistula plugs uh, so we discussed uh, uh, there is a there are some biologic plugs and and some uh, new um, uh, synthetic uh, plugs that act like biologic plugs such as the gore uh, fistula plug and even newer one uh, do you use plugs in your uh, um, at some marks do you use plugs in your experience what is their indication which type you're using uh, the answer is that we pretty much don't um, certainly traditionally uh, St Mark's has uh, tried the plug and felt that it really wasn't very effective at all uh, my my predecessor Robin Phillips um, was known to say to Kirk and to people who adver uh, um, advocate for the plug bring me a patient show me one patient in whom the plug has genuinely healed their fistula uh, in truth I think there probably is some value in the plug but it's not something that we have great experience with Carolyn Vasey at St Mark's um, did a little bit of work with the with one of the newer plugs but 
we really haven't adopted it. If we were going to, then we would be interested only in straight transphincteric tracts and we would only use it in the absence of Crohn's disease. How about uh, to, to stay in this uh, area of uh, uh, foreign uh, um, uh, bodies, how about uh, injection of uh, uh, fibrin glue or injection of permacol paste? I think, I think fibrin glue has fallen pretty much completely out of favour. The permacol paste alone also really hasn't demonstrated particular benefit and, and we haven't taken it on. But again, as part of an, a, a combined treatment, as an adjunct, as a carrier, perhaps, for stem cells, for drugs, for other biologically active materials, as part of a, a multifactorial treatment, there might potentially be a place for it in the future. But we don't use it. We don't use it other than that at all. So no uh, plug, no fibrin, uh, and no paste injection at some marks for now. And uh, uh, do you do lift procedures? Yeah, we do. And we like the lift procedure. Um, we have, up till this point, used it mostly in non-Crohn's fistulas, but we're starting to use it in Crohn's disease more now. Um, it's a nice technique. Uh, it requires some... Uh, surgical skill and, and finding the insphincteric space particularly in in the scarred uh, in the scarred um, insphincteric space can be quite challenging I think it's really important to choose the right patients I would never do it on somebody with intersphincteric complexity um, so horseshoeing or uh, additional tracts in the insphincteric space uh, or if it spends much time traveling through the insphincteric space between the two sphincters uh, nor would I do it in a fistula that was too high. It can be very difficult to make your way up the insphincteric space to get to the tract. And also it worries me that the top of the tract and the rectum, when you have a very high transphincteric fistula, can be very closely approximated and the risk of injury to the rectum then appears. And I also don't like it if the internal opening is very deep and wide. And sometimes, you know, all of the surgeons will recognise the situation where the internal opening seems massive. And in fact, what you've got is a deep pit running into the insphincteric space all the way to the external sphincter. And I think in that situation, um, I think it's very difficult to perform the procedure. And I think there's a great risk of running into the fistula tract, which really in that situation means running into the anal canal. And I think, I think that's another indication a contraindication for its use but those aside a nice a nice track with a, a good passage across the insphincteric space which is easily accessible I think it's a lovely operation to do I remember when I was at St Mark's uh, and Robin Phillips was the youngest uh, attending now he just retired he uh, was performing a lot of uh, fistulotomy or fistulectomies and sphincter repair. And we heard this option here, especially the Germans and Carlo Ratto, uh, they always perform a sphincter repair together with a, a fistulotomy or fistulectomy. Can you uh, comment on this? Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Um, he, towards the end of his career, he had completely stopped doing that. He didn't see any great benefit. I think if a fistula is low enough, that whether your sphincter repair works or not doesn't really matter then there's no point in doing it and much of the literature regarding sphincter repair reports a significant risk of difficulty controlling wind and maybe a little bit of minor soiling which is exactly what we would expect with lay open of most anal fistulas 
the very highest fistulas that one can't lay open without a greater, uh, without a risk of a greater degree of continence impairment, are much more difficult because if you undertake your lay open and then your sphincter repair fails, well then the patient is in a very difficult situation. The, the sphincter repairs will inevitably fail in some, in some patients and I think the literature has been relatively poor at teasing out which patients have genuinely benefited from the sphincter repair and which haven't and also which patients have, uh, have uh, been disadvantaged by a failed sphincter repair and which haven't and I think that's our great fear. But the, the counter argument is the question about the contour of the anus and I think that there is some value in that. Uh, so if you can recreate the, the, the contour of the anus more effectively, that probably does have a beneficial effect in terms of defecation and continence. I don't think it's well quantified, but I think there is probably something in that, and I'm looking forward to future publications which discuss it. So you do a fistulotomy and a marsupialization? Yes, and uh, the marsupialization certainly makes me feel better. I'm not sure if it has much of an impact on the patient. There's some evidence about wound healing and bleeding and pain being reduced. Uh, wound healing being advantaged, of course, the other two being reduced. Uh, and certainly we do it. Mostly, though, um, we do it as a part of wound shaping. And I think if you create um, a large layopen, you want that area to be able to drain effectively out of the anus. And so you need to create a furrow which will be um, which will be made easier with marsupialization, but you also sometimes need to do a salmon back cut or similar to open up that area at the outer end, the lateral end of your um, furrow to allow it to drain well. Let's uh, move on to fancier options. And I've heard with interest that you acquired at St. Mark's a fistuloscope. Um, so for the VAFT, it's, uh, which stands for Video Assisted Anal Fistula Treatment. This uh, has not been FDA approved in the United States. And uh, you're having some interesting uh, um, experience with the VAFT. You're not only using it uh, for the traditional fistuloscopy and uh, uh, to assist the fistula closure and the cauterization of the tract but you also uh, are uh, you were we were discussing earlier on some other indications yeah I think the VAFT scope is a very interesting and useful piece of equipment I'm not convinced uh, that I will be able to heal lots of fistulas by using it in the curative fashion that Professor Meniero advocate so brilliantly but I think it has enormous utility the first and most difficult to define is that I think it adds uh, a greater degree of understanding of fistulas in general and of the fistula in front of you when you're able to put the scope into it you can feel where the scope is you can tell exactly which cavities and and which aspects of which tracks you've got into and I think it, it's a really nice way to improve your understanding of um, uh, of the anal fistula in general and the one that you're treating. In addition to using it curatively though, we also think there are other techniques as you said. Now the first that we've worked with, uh, worked on for the last several months and that's been written up by one of our research fellows, Sam Adegbola, and, and has been led by Janindra Warasavatani, another, another one of the consultants is the palliative VAFT and that's using the VAFT scope with, within the Crohn's setting to reduce symptoms 
Um, we allowed patients to choose which symptoms were most important to them and they ubiquitously chose discharge and pain. And then most of them demonstrated that their pain and discharge had improved following their treatment and felt very pleased with the treatment having been performed. I should say that this wasn't blinded works. There's obviously a, a considerable placebo effect associated with surgery, but it was a, a first indication that the, the palliative use of this, and let's face it, most of these Crohn's patients with fistulas are going to have ongoing fistulas with ongoing symptoms perpetually. So managing those with drugs and cetons and perhaps also by using the palliative VAFT might be a way in which we can improve their symptoms. There's also the Delta VAFT. And this is something that we're looking at. I'm not sure which way it's going to turn out yet. And that is the idea that we can take a tract which at the moment is not suitable for one of the sphincter-preserving procedures. Perhaps there's an extension or a cavity that prevents us doing laser fistula treatment or, or lift or whatever. And treating that cavity, that extension, that additional tract so that the morphology of the fistula changes, the cavity shrinks away and disappears and we're left only with that primary transphincteric tract which we can then treat with one of our other techniques. Now in addition to those three, curative palliative and delta VAFT, we've also used it to inspect cavities and take biopsies and also in the case of trying to pass a very difficult seat on. Many of the surgeons listening will know that, a, that some tracts, let's say a transphincteric tract which enters the intersphincteric space and then horseshoes round posteriorly before turning through a second right angle to enter the anal canal at six o'clock is, in, is incredibly difficult sometimes to put a seat on into. Now we can we can make a large incision in the issue anal fossa to straighten out the first right angle and make it easier or, or we can use the VAFT, and we've now done this a few times, placing the VAFT, uh, placing a seat on through uh, the internal opening, using uh, a fistula probe, and then using the VAFT to reach that point, grasp the seat on, and pull it through the rest of the tract, and in that way, place the seat on in these very difficult tracts without having to make a cut on the patient, which I think is, is enormously valuable. Let's uh, briefly talk about some uh, ki new kids on the block. The laser fistula treatment and uh, uh, the over-the-scope clip uh, uh, speaking about, which looks like a stapler gun and delivers this uh, nitinol uh, clip uh, to the internal opening to close it. Do you have experience with any of the two? So we don't use the over-the-scope clip. I'm certainly interested in alternative ways to close the internal opening. Um, I think it needs to be it needs to demonstrate a benefit over simple suture closure uh, but it's certainly interesting my my concern about it is the number of patients within any of the studies in whom the clip migrates or has to be taken out because of pain uh, I appreciate that uh, Prost denudes the mucosa for a two centimeter uh, diameter around the the internal uh, the internal opening but nevertheless that side of things concerns me uh, but it's an interesting idea and certainly closing off the internal opening robustly is a value in fistula treatment. We do have experience with the laser. Uh, we're using it in a number of different situations but broadly speaking straight transphincteric tracts without any branches or cavities tend to be the most appropriate. Uh, we, we haven't done enough to publish a robust success rate 
Um, but as with all of the um, sphincter-preserving procedures that I've described, when I consent a patient, I talk about, first of all, what the published success rate is, and then I temper that, explaining that I expect it's likely to sit around 50% by the time uh, you know a few more publications and a few more years have passed. And that's what I expect patients to be able to look forward to. The uh, areas that we discuss about the laser are uh, closure versus non-closure of the internal opening and high energy versus low energy. Which way do you go? So I think we should close the internal opening. We didn't do that with all of our cases initially because when the tracks are very narrow, the laser probably does the job for you. But I think robust closure is the right thing to do and Arnie Wilhelm has been very clear about that. In terms of energy, It sounds trite to say that one must use the right amount, (laughs) but I think that's the answer. Um, We are relatively low energy users and we certainly don't want to see the white smoke appearing. If you're you're standing in this neck of the woods when the new Pope is being elected, then seeing white smoke is a good thing. But when you're doing phylac, it is a bad thing and it means that the the liquid has all vanished and the tissues are being destroyed. So I would advocate, as Arnie does within his um, papers, slow passage with with energy delivery. Um, We we probably spend about a second every one or two centimetres, maybe a little bit more than that. And over a three or four centimetre um, tract, I might expect to use 150 or 200 joules, but probably not more than that. I'm bombarding you with questions, and this is, uh, I promise, is going to be the last one. We heard so many uh, different aspects of uh, treatment of fistula and Crohn's disease, but one that is uh, um, the, the most innovative uh, is definitely the uh, injection of a stem cell, which is recently published in a, a randomized trial on uh, uh, the Lancet. And uh, uh, those are uh, commercially available. And uh, are you using uh, uh, injection of uh, uh, adipose derived uh, uh, stem cell at uh, marks for Crohn's fistulas? Uh, so that's a good question. So, so a couple of points. First, um, I've done a bit of uh, work speaking on behalf of Takeda and taken part in one or two advisory boards to try to help them to bring this product to market in the UK because we're very keen to get our hands on it. Having said which, I've no financial or other interest in the company going forwards nor in whether or not stem cells genuinely work, except of course my interest in them helping our patients. Uh, We don't have access to them yet. They will hit the UK in about September. Uh, Two units, we and Sheffield, have been identified as um, places with sufficient volume and experience and rigorous technique to put uh, stem cells through their paces. In particular, it's important because the logistics of stem cells, their delivery from the the lab in Spain into the patient, um, all has to take place within a 48-hour period, and that can be very challenging. Takeda are, I think, wisely starting off with only a small number of centres which will expand. I'm very excited about using it because I want to see if it works. The Admire CD trial was a great study. You know, there are one or two things that we all talk about, um, but using the combined clinical radiological endpoint was a really powerful step forwards. The Delta was only 15%. Uh, They had a good, strong um, treatment in the comparator arm but nevertheless we're only seeing a small uplift with the stem cells but if there is a genuine uplift there if we can genuinely augment other techniques by ameliorating the hostile environment with the stem cells then I think we'll have 
open the door to a really important part of the multifactorial treatment of this multifactorial problem. The first step is getting it into our hospitals, using it in our patients, seeing if it does demonstrate the benefit that we have been shown in Admire CD, and then starting to think about how we can use it in uh, other and more creative ways. Uh, this concludes my interview and uh, thank you very much uh, Phil for sharing uh, your great knowledge on uh, fistula with our listeners. Thanks, thanks Giuseppe, it's my pleasure.